The homily today is one I've been planning on giving for several months. The homily today is, why should I go to church? Now, many Sunday mornings, you have the option of deciding whether or not you are going to go to church. I don't. That option is not mine. Sunday morning's a given. I am going to go to church. There were a few years of my life when I could make the choice whether or not I were going to go, but the question comes, why should I go? Now, this is directed not just at kids. You say, well, the kids need to know why we should go to church. Well, that's true. This is directed to us all. Why should we go to church? Is it important to go to church? Well, you know I'm going to say it's important to go to church. But what I want is to show why it is so incredibly important that we go to church. And before I'm through, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying, well, you know, you've got to be here brushed and combed every single Sunday morning at 9.30 or wherever you go. I understand there are reasons why we sometimes, sometimes don't go. But it's important that you know why we go. There is an interesting passage in the scriptures from the first chapter of Romans where St. Paul is describing the decline of humanity. And as he's describing this decline, what he says is, the invisible things of him, that is of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Terribly important statement. The invisible things of him, that is God, are clearly seen. That sounds contradictory, does it not? Invisible things are clearly seen. But then he explains it, being understood, the invisible things, being understood by the things that are made. Now, what are you supposed to grasp from creation about God? You cannot grasp everything there is to know about God from creation. It is not there to be grasped in that. There are two things that you are supposed to grasp from creation. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, namely, his eternal power and Godhead. His eternal power and his Godhead so that they are without excuse. Who is the subject of that clause? Who's the they? That's everyone. So anyone who does not understand his eternal power or see his eternal power, understand his eternal power in Godhead, are without excuse. What it simply says is this, and what we believe is this, there is no one in this world who is legitimately an atheist. There is no one who is an atheist who is legitimately an atheist because he should understand at least the eternal power and Godhead of God. He should understand that. Furthermore, there, there are no legitimate agnostics. There are no legitimate agnostics because it says these things, these two things are clearly understood. Now, agnosticism, that's not knowing, and understanding are contradictory. They are simply understood by the things that are made. So there's no legitimate atheist, there's no legitimate agnostic. There are atheists and there are agnostics, but they are that by their choice. In fact, and I'm not going to talk about today, but what Paul says about them two verses later, he says they became 
ignorant in their foolish imaginations until their stupid minds were all in the dark. That's one translation, one very common translation, until their stupid minds were all in the dark. That's not what we're after today. That has nothing to do specifically with why we go to church. Now, why do we go? We go above all else. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to go, first of all, why, not why we should go. Now, you have to be really careful because I'm going to give some legitimate reasons, but they aren't the reasons that are foremost. Some people go to church because it's a duty. It's okay to go to church if it's a duty. That's okay. But it's not a particularly good reason. I know there are Sunday mornings when you wake up and you say, I got to go because it's my duty. It's my duty. I have to go. It's my job. I've got to go. I don't have the option of deciding. It's not only my duty, though, and it goes beyond that. You have to be really careful if duty is the reason you go. In the most classic description of seduction, maybe the most classic description of seduction in all ancient literature comes from the seventh chapter of Proverbs, where Solomon is describing the process of a seductress as she is seducing a young man. It's an incredible passage. And she is tantalizing him and tempting him. My husband's on a journey. He's not going to be back for a long time, so you can be sure he's not going to be back tonight. And then she says, I have been to church. Actually, she says, I have paid my vows, which means I went to the, you know, I did my religious thing. Since I've done my duty, it's all okay. Duty, going to church out of duty, doing your thing towards God out of duty will not necessarily touch your life in any way, shape, or form and can actually be extremely counterproductive. So going to church out of duty, it's a reason, it's not a hideous reason, but don't count on it to be a very good reason. Secondly, some people go to church because it's a habit. You know, it's not a bad habit. Going to church out of habit goes little beyond going out of duty. Now, it is good to do many things in life out of habit. How, every one of you does things out of habit. There are studies that are made that will say that you will, most of you will tie one shoe before the other 99 out of 100 times. It's just a just plain habit. You're gonna, I am going to tie my right shoe before I am going to tie my left shoe. It just is done over and over again. I don't even think about it. It's a habit. And some of us have the Sunday morning habit. It's not a bad habit. But a habit will not touch your life and it doesn't really affect the true reasons why we go to church. It can help fulfill those. Thirdly, some people go to church just so that they can be with their friends. For some people, church is a social occasion. Now, that's not a terrible thing because if you look around you, this is a social occasion. There's a bunch of us here. And when you've got a bunch of us here, there's something social about it. And some people, actually, the social part they like best is the coffee time afterwards. And there are people that basically go to church to visit their friends at coffee time. That's not terrible. It's not an awful thing. But it's not a particularly good reason to go. Fourthly, some people go to hear a sermon. Folks, at my age, there are very few preachers on the face of this earth that I would walk across the street three times to hear them. 
I have heard the best preachers of my era. I like good sermons. I like enthusiastic sermons. But folks, it's not a particularly spectacular reason to go to church. Today, there are millions of people in this country who went to church in hopes of hearing a good sermon because they went for the sermon. They want to get, you know, they want to be uh, motivated. You know, seven reasons to go to church. That's what I should have called this. They, they want to be challenged in a sermon. That's fine. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with a good sermon. Going to church for a sermon is a fair reason. Going to church number five. Going to church for the music. By the way, I'm upgrading each time. I, I'm, I, put the, I put the sermon four, and then I'm putting the music five because I think the music in this service is more important than the sermon. has a whole lot more to do with the real reason we go to church. Okay, some people go to church number five for the music. And St. Anthony has really good music. And I really hate going to a church that has hideous music. And I've been to a lot of churches with hideous music. And I don't like it because it's very hard to be there for the real reason I go to church. Because I'm distracted. Because I'm, I'm nervous. I'm wondering, are they going to make it? Or why can't they find a note? Or this or that? Or why isn't it pretty? Why is it sometimes it's downright ugly? But sometimes it's just spectacular. I said last Sunday, if you weren't here, last Sunday at the end of the service, I said, you know, sometimes I really want church to be over quickly, and sometimes I don't want it to be over at all, and last Sunday was one of those. The choir was just spectacular. And I didn't want to go home. I didn't want the thing to come to an end. What else can we do? There's five reasons that are okay, but they're not the real reasons why you go. Those in themselves are not enough to demand that I get out of bed on a Sunday morning and go to church. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, namely his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse for they refused to acknowledge God as God and did not give thanks. Therefore, everything went to pot. If you want to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and find the history of mankind, you will find it capitalized in Romans chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And then 19 to the end of the chapter, there are three set three degrees of that giving order. Wherefore, God gave them over. Wherefore, God gave them over. Three times until you've got, you got mankind looking like the culture of the United States of America. Depravity. But what is the turning point? The failure to acknowledge God as God and to give him thanks. You were created by God in his own image. And part of that image, part of being a creature of his, is that you understand how you are to function. In the 70s, late 60s and 70s, there were many people in the community in which we lived who were living in buses, living in cars, living in 
all kinds of abodes, but I'm thinking of cars particularly. Some of them halfway decent cars. Folks, cars were not made to live in. Cars were made to drive. That's the purpose. Now you can have a brand new Bentley. Bentleys aren't made to live in. They are a supercar to drive. Many times, people take that which God has created, and in this case themselves, and they use it for something other than, than that for which it was created. We are created to in the image of God, and part of being in that image, and part of functioning properly, part of operating as we're supposed to operate as human beings, means that we acknowledge, number one, the Creator, and that we give thanks. And when you fail to do that, there are going to be consequences. There will be consequences in your life. God isn't going to send thunderbolts out of heaven and send what and, and just hurl a bolt down there and say, "Damn you!" Because that's just not what God does. But there are consequences. What happens is that when you don't maintain your focus when you don't maintain that focus on God, that he is my creator, he is my God, and I, am, and I need to give him thanks, there will be consequences, and that consequence will be that as a living human being, I begin to function. I've been a downward uh, spiral, which St. Athanasius describes, that goes on and on and on, even into all eternity, and we get worse and worse. Now, why do you go to church? Number six. You go to church to acknowledge God as God. How do you do it? Well, we've done it so far uh, quite a bit. And, you know, we do these antiphons. And what's going on in this first part of this service is we're here to acknowledge God as God. And so we get, we get into the divine liturgy and we get to the first exclamation. You know what the exclamation is? That's when, the, you know, the deacon does the in peace, let us pray to the Lord, you know, or again and again. And then at the end of that, the priest does an exclamation. The first one, first one. For unto thee are due all glory, honor, and worship to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. What are we doing there? Is this just a little formality that, that we do? Is it just something, uh, is it dead liturgy? No. It is there for you to function as a living human being the way you're made to live. And so we are acknowledging God as God for unto thee at the very beginning of the service. And we do, blessed is the kingdom. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For unto thee are due all glory, honor, and worship to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Will it be of any value in your life tomorrow that you have been here today to do that? Yes! But I, didn't, I wasn't paying that much attention. Well, it would have been better if you'd have paid attention. But it's still going to be of value to you. You actually did hear it. But just that you heard, just that you were here for, unto thee are due all glory and worship. Why do we say that? We're acknowledging our God as our God. Uh, more accurately, we are acknowledging our God as God. He is the true God. And then we get to the second exclamation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory unto the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. 
Why do we do these things? Romans chapter 1. We're acknowledging our God as our God. And then thirdly, we do the third antiphon. We get to the third exclamation. For thou art a good God, and lovest mankind, and unto thee we ascribe glory. You need to do these things. The question will come up inevitably, how do I acknowledge God? Chapter 1, verse 18 of Romans, how do I acknowledge God as my God? I go to church, and together I do this. We who have been joined together in Christ because of our baptism, we go to church in order that we acknowledge God. And we do this together. There's a little expression, epitoafto in the Greek New Testament. It's a very important expression. It comes up, they were gathered together in one place. It's important that we're together. Can you roll over on your bed, on your pillow? And you know, it's, it's 940. And you roll over in bed on your pillow and you say, For unto thee are due all glory, honor, and worship to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Does it have the same impact as if you do it here? Not on your life. Is it okay to do that? It would have been better if you did it at 740. And then made it here to do it here together. Because this is something that's very corporate, something that we do together in the church. So, we do those three exclamations. We are acknowledging God as our God. And I am not doing this. We are doing it. If you ever have the idea that the priest is the one who does this, you have got the wrong idea, and I have given you the wrong idea. It is for unto you we ascribe glory. Not unto you I ascribe glory. Unto you we ascribe glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Reason six was to acknowledge God as God. What's the seventh and most important? To give thanks. It is incredibly important for your successful living seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 on late leap year. It is so important to your life in order that it function properly that you give thanks to God. In just a few moments, I am going to say, it is fitting and right to sing to you, to bless you, to praise you, to worship you in every place of your, to give thanks for you are our God. The very center of the divine liturgy has to do with thanksgiving. Eucharist. When I was in my late 20s and early 30s, I thought people that called the communion service the Eucharist were not Christians. They were some kind of heathen. I was actually quite well educated. Problem was, I just hadn't been educated in the right things. I actually believed that you should give thanksgiving to God, but it didn't occur to me how incredibly important it was that we give thanks to God together. Without giving thanks, receiving communion is counterproductive, actually. And I want to just capsule this with these two main issues. We come to acknowledge God. We come to give thanks. And doing that is a very practical thing for the living of your life. You miss that. You ignore it. You put it off. And you got a problem. Now, if you look at it from one other point of view, what does the devil do about this? Now, I understand I'm not condemning anything I'm saying. When I was a kid, and you say, Father, nobody remembers when you were a kid. Well, that may be true. 
There was never any such thing as a basketball game, hockey, soccer, on Sunday. Little League, never. I, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying don't take your kids to soccer, don't take your kids to hockey, don't take your kids. I'm not saying that. But do you understand what's, do you understand what's happening in the, in the whole culture? We're putting things in the way. We're putting things particularly in the way of parents so they can't take their kids. The devil doesn't want your kid in the altar. He doesn't want them there. Because he knows there's two things above all else that your kids need to do and that you need to do, and that is to acknowledge God as God and to give thanks to God. And so he schedules tournament on Sunday. You know, the truth is, if there had been a tournament scheduled on Sunday morning in Orange County when I was in junior high school, there wouldn't be anybody there. It's unthinkable. Now it's not only thinkable, it's standard. What are you going to do about it? You are going to be really careful. I'm not telling you don't, take, don't put your kids in hockey, don't put your kids in basketball, don't put your kids in baseball, don't put your kids in ballet or whatever it is because there's great value in those. I don't dismiss that. But make sure that they don't grow up thinking that it's not important to go to church. Soccer isn't more important. Soccer's important, I think, at least for some. The deacon Tom, I mean, my young, my deacon, my son, he was soccer, really important. He's too much, too little of a runt to play football. So we told him to go play soccer, and he did. But you better make sure that your kids understand, above all, you understand and your kids understand why we go to church and why it's important to go to church. Yes, you're going to miss some Sundays. Yes, you're going to have a vacation. Yes, there's things. There's Sundays you're going to go where there's no place where you can even figure out a place to go to church. But make it your habit. Make it your duty. Even to be with your friends. Even to do all these things so that you can give thanks to God and acknowledge Him as God. So let us continue to acknowledge our God as our God and to give thanks to